0: That was great. I love that song. The, um, the worship team at Elevation wrote that one. That's on the re- most recent one? Yeah. Yeah, they just sneeze great worship songs out. Like everything they do, it's like, oh my gosh, it's awesome. Hey, um, let me start off this story, uh, and let me just set this. I, I didn't finish this story in the 9-15 service. I didn't tell what happened at the end, so I'm going to try to tell the end of the story. But if I don't, somebody remind me at the end of the service, I'm going to leave it up to somebody Lauren, you remind me, okay, if I, don't, if I don't tell what happened, I'm going to depend on you, okay? You're a Georgia fan, but I'm glad you're here because you made strawberry cake tonight. Yeah, yeah, but you made strawberry cake tonight, and so everybody loves you because everybody back there was ra- It was a strawberry? Do what? I know it was gone in five minutes because I got back there and it was gone. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm off my, my, my meds. I'm on ADD meds, and they kind of wear off on Sunday nights, and so y'all are just stuck with it. Welcome to church. We'll get out of here by 8. Anyway. When I was 16 years old, it was the summer before my junior and senior year in high school went easily, um, I, I got up early one morning, like, you know, 4 or 4.30 to get to work. I worked at Hardee's. Um, that was my career path at the time. And uh, I, I wasn't quite biscuit maker yet. That was a that was goal. I was like egg cooker and stuff. And, and so I worked at the breakfast shift. And the breakfast shift was kind of cool because at Hardy's in the breakfast shift, I love to be busy because if you're busy, you're not bored and everything moves real fast. And I got off work about 11 and came home and uh, called a girl. Uh, struck out, but <laughs> got to try. Anyway, gave her a call, shot down, um, and then went to sleep. Now, when I was in high school, I could sleep so good. Like you're awake and then you're in a coma. You know what I'm talking about? Like your teenager, if you got a teenager, they can sleep like that. I can't sleep like that now. Like, but when I was high school, sleep coma. So I went to a mild coma and I'm not sure how long it was, maybe about 30 minutes. Cause, cause the time of, for the rest of the day is kind of fuzzy, but I woke up and there were two men in my room that I did not know, both had pistols, and they were telling me, you need to get out of bed right now. Now, in that, in that moment, in that moment, I felt three things going on in my life, three primary emotions that were kind of dominating the scope of my thinking. The first was fear and and everyone in this room, you would have, you would have felt the same thing probably. There, there would have been fear. And every once in a while, and I love to make fun of these people. I know Jesus loves them. I don't. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. But have you ever met somebody that's so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good, and they try to tell you things like, well, the Bible says do not fear. Okay, okay. That's, the Bible does say that. But... I'm pretty sure the guy wrote that didn't wake up with two men with pistols in his room. Okay, I don't know how to. I sometimes I don't think Bible, I think cuss words. All right, I'm just trying. Mean, listen, I'm a work in progress called sanctification, I'm not there yet. So I was feeling fear, and everyone in this room knows what it's like to be in a situation where you're consumed by fear. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, it means you're human. Everybody watching online, you know what it's like to live in fear. The the second emotion that I felt, the second emotion was uncertainty. I did not know who these men were. I'd never seen them in my life. Now, I knew my father was selling drugs. Um, And when I say drugs, you know, when most people, when they're 15, their father teaches them how to drive. When I was 15, my dad taught me how to cut cocaine. Okay. So look, real unique childhood. But I knew my dad did drugs, but I didn't know if these were police officers because they didn't identify themselves as police officers, or I didn't know if, um, m- maybe my dad didn't pay somebody. And if you don't pay somebody in that world, somebody gets shot or hurt or missing. And so I was really uncertain of what the future holds. And have you ever noticed that fear and uncertainty hold hands? Like when you when you're scared, one of the reasons we're scared is because we don't know how the situation is eventually going to turn out. So there's fear and the uncertainty, and last but not least, alone. Now, Captain Obvious, I know you're out there because you're thinking, well, technically you weren't alone because there were two men with pistols. Exactly. They weren't on my team. I felt all by myself. Isn't it funny that you can be around a crowd of people and still feel all by yourself? I'll bet you there were people at the Clemson and Carolina game in the middle of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and in that environment... We can feel all alone. Now, here's what's crazy. If somebody would have called a timeout in that moment and stepped into the room and everything would have frozen except for me and that person, they would have said, listen, Perry, I know it's kind of crazy right now, but here's what I want you to know. God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life, and he works out all things for the good. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. They would have got a throat punch for me because it would have been difficult to believe. It's really difficult to believe that God has a great plan for my life when I'm in the middle of fear, uncertainty, and, I'm, and all alone. It's really difficult for us to believe that God really does work all things out for the good where we're in the middle of fear, we're uncertain, and we're all alone. Everyone here tonight, whether you're in the room or online, knows exactly how this feels. Now, this, this situation turned out okay. I'm obviously alive. I didn't get shot. Nobody got shot. My dad got arrested and hauled away in a police car. And for the next two to three months, I got to, I got to learn what it was like to be homeless and go from couch to couch and learn the work ethic. And, and there, there's a whole lot of good that did come out of that season, but it didn't get better immediately. It didn't get better immediately. And the reason I want to bring this up is because all day people have told me, hey, I'm, I'm feeling one or all three of these things in my life right now. And when you get in the middle of that situation, I know what it's like to feel hopeless. But the good news is, even though you're in that situation, that's not how your story's going to end. God really is writing a better story. And for some people, I know it's difficult to have the faith to believe that, but for those that don't have the faith to believe it tonight, let me have that faith for you. Let this church have this faith for you because we believe that God really does work out all things for the good even when we're in a situation where we don't believe it or we can't understand it and we definitely can't feel it. Well, I'll talk I'll set it up this way, talking about a guy in the Bible named Joseph. Old Testament Joseph, coat of many colors, Joseph, you grew up in, school, in um, Sunday school. There's a guy in the Bible. His name was Joseph, and he he was the youngest of, of a bunch of brothers and kind of his dad's favorite. He was a dreamer. He was a visionary. He had big plans. He wanted to go do great, big, huge things for God. And he told his brothers his dream, and sometimes you got to be careful who you tell your dreams to because they can't handle the fact that you might dream a little bit bigger than their current circumstances, and that's a whole other message for a whole other time. But his dad gave him a, a a cloak. His his dad gave him gave him a coat of many colors. And in the ancient world, when you wore a cloak, it identified you as someone. Your cloak was your identity. Today we have several things that identify us. Like some people have a Clemson bumper sticker on the back of your car. It identifies you as a Clemson fan or a Carolina bumper sticker identifies you as a Carolina fan. By the way, just a philosophy on bumper stickers. The more bumper stickers a person has on the back of their car, the weirder that person is. And that's just true. And if if the shoe fits, I saw a couple of y'all look at each other. Probably need to get some razor blades and take the bumper stickers off, all right? But we we all identify ourselves with clothing brands or whatever was in the ancient world you identified yourself with your cloak. And Joseph had an awesome cloak. In fact, his cloak made his brothers jealous. So Joseph's dad tells him, go check on your brothers. They're supposed to be down here and shepherding and doing this stuff. Joseph goes to check on his brothers. And long story short, they see him coming, and they say, let's kill him. So we're told in the, in the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verse 23, so, so when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. They ripped off his robe. They ripped off his robe. Don't miss this. They ripped off his identity. They took away what he found his identity in. And we live in a world that's really quick to strip away our identity. Many, Maybe some of you have had Identity theft, whether somebody got your social security number or your credit card, that's a big thing today, identity theft. Maybe, maybe, let me say it this way. The world strips our identity and puts us in a pit just like they did Joseph. So you planned on the marriage. You didn't plan on the divorce. You planned on the party. You didn't plan on becoming an addict. You planned on college. You didn't plan on the pregnancy. You got to be real careful because what the religious world will do is strip you of your identity, saying Christians would never do something like that, throw you in a pit and label you as that person for the rest of your life. But even though that's who they say you are, That's not who God says you are because at the end of the day, Joseph had his robe stolen from him, but he was still his father's son. And I don't care if you feel like you've had your identity taken from you and you're in the bottom of a pit. I know what that feels like, but it doesn't change the fact that you have a heavenly father who still loves you, who has forgiven you, who values you, and who thinks highly of you. At the end of the day. That's incredibly easy to believe for somebody else. It's incredibly difficult to believe for yourself. Anyway, this, this uh, they decided they were going to kill him. And they were like, no, let's not kill him. Let's not kill him. That's a, that's a bad idea. Let's, let's sell him. And before you judge them, if you got a brother or sister growing up, if you, if you could have got some coin for him on the side, you'd, have probably, you'd probably throw him on eBay or Amazon or something like that, right? So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern, so you'd probably think, "Oh my God, it's freedom, right? Except and sold him. So his brothers sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. Talk about your bad day. When I was a kid, um, I used to have dreams of what I wanted to be when I grew up. In fact, when I was a children's pastor, one of the things I used to do is ask children, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody in this room had that thing back. Remember when you were a kid? When I grew up, I want to be a whatever. And I went, what, me, I wanted to be a football player for the Dallas Cowboys. It was very specific. I was going to go to Clemson. I was going to play for four years. And I was going to go to Dallas. And I was going to play there. And I was going to retire football. The only, the only thing that got in my way was the lack of athletic ability. Other than that, I had everything down, but I <laughs> sucked at every sport I ever played. So, but that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. Now, I could go around this room and say, what'd you want to be? And I, you know, I know people, I wanted to be a policeman or a fireman or a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor. Do you know that no one has ever said, slave, what are you want to be when you grow up? Slave, I would love to be bought, beaten, and told what to do for the rest of my life. Thank you very much. Where can I sign up? Nobody has ever said that. Isn't it funny how nobody ever plans on slavery, but sometimes we step into it anyway? And sometimes we step into it by choice, and sometimes we feel like we're sold into it, but either way, we we wind up there. And when we wind up stepping into slavery or when we wind up sold into slavery, we think there's there's no way anything good can come out of this. Nobody has ever, ever wanted to be a slave, and yet... We see Joseph, who at one time in his life used to dream big and have big plans. Now we see him sold into slavery, taken to Egypt, end of story. Nobody will ever remember this guy. Let me ask you this question. In this moment, did Joseph feel fear? Did he feel uncertainty? Did he feel alone? Yes. Joseph, in the pit and after he sold, Felt the same thing I felt in that bedroom that day, the same thing that some of us are feeling here this evening, fear, uncertain, and alone. But don't worry. It gets worse. As anybody here told you, it'll get better. You're like, no, no, hang around, hang around. Um, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. It's cool. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. Hmm, captain of the guard. Remember that. Just, just, kind of a side note. Kind of mental that. Just kind of set that aside. Mental that. Did I say that was the dumbest thing? Okay. Here we go. It's captain kind of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. <laughs> so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Now for me, when I when I go somewhere, when I go somewhere, I've got to make sure I know where three things are at all times. Three things. Anybody want to guess what they are? Yeah. Okay, I just some I, that was in tongues. I got to have a charismatic <laughs> interpret because that okay, that, so so first 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 is a, first is my is my keys. I got to have my keys. I can't go anywhere without my keys. Somebody said chance. No, I don't care about him. He'll for you when he's hungry, he'll find you. I got my keys. I got to have my wallet. And I got to have my what? My phone. Now, you want somebody to feel helpless? Let them lose their phone. I don't know anybody's number. I used to know everybody's number. Brian Jones, my best friend in first grade, 859 1263. That's legit. Ron Hunter 859-1270. Jenny eight six seven five three zero nine Like I remember numbers from the old school, for those of you for those of you that didn't laugh, you're gonna to have to Google that. Like I remember numbers, but now but now my smartphone has made me dumb. I don't know anybody's telephone number. I, all my information is there, right? It's just it's so if you lose your phone, it's crazy. And this week, I lost my phone. Just this week, prepare for this message. I'm walking around the house. I'm like, where's my phone? Where? And I found my, I found my phone in some weird places, okay? I mean, it's just like, how did it get there? And, you know, I asked Chance, did he have the phone? Like, I'm walking around my house. But here's what's cool. Here's what's cool. Somebody got me an Apple Watch not too long ago, and there's this little thing on the Apple Watch you can just swipe up, okay? And, and you can push this little button, and your phone makes a little dinging noise. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all listen. Y'all listen. See if you can hear it. Y'all hear that? I'm going to do it again. Couldn't hear because y'all were laughing. Hold on, wait. Okay, that legitimately happened to me this week when I hit the button. It was in my back pocket. I was completely sober. Like I couldn't (laughs) find my phone. And it was with me the whole time. I was convinced that my phone was gone. I didn't know what I was going to do. Got to get information from the cloud, and who knows where the cloud is anyway, and, like, who's who's controlling the cloud? And and I was freaked out, and my phone was with me the entire time when I thought it was nowhere near. Has it ever been that way with us and God? Have you ever been convinced that God has absolutely forsaken you and forgotten you, and you get five, ten years down the road, look back and go, he was with me the entire time in fact had he not been with me i wouldn't even be here today i wouldn't even be standing but sometimes in the moment we can't see him but just because just because he doesn't seem real doesn't mean he's not real just because we're not aware doesn't mean he's not there the reason i bring this up is because the author of genesis wants us to know the lord was with joseph I'm going to ask a question, and don't answer it out loud because people got it wrong this morning. Do you think that Joseph knew the Lord was with him? No. I know that the Lord is with me when I'm in traffic that's flowing good. I know the Lord is with me when somebody buys my lunch. I know the Lord is with me when something is on sale. I know the Lord is with me when I wake up feeling good. When I am sold into slavery to a dude named Potiphar, I don't know the Lord is with me. The reason the author of Genesis put this in there was not for Joseph. Joseph was not reading going, you know what, I'm going to have, oh, today God's going to be with me. God, man, that's good. He didn't know. He just kept moving. Sometimes it's one step at a time, one day at a time. That's all we can do. One step at a time, one day at a time. That's all we can do. One step at a time, one day at a time. That's all we can do. That's all Joseph was doing, and the the Lord was with him. And Joseph couldn't see it in the moment. But when he looked back, God had never left him. The enemy's trying to destroy him, but God's using it for good because, because he was in the captain of the guard's house. That's kind of weird. We'll talk about that later. Um, problem developed, and I won't read it. I'll just kind of summarize it. Potiphar had a wife who was um, hot, and she had the hots for Joseph. And so she was like, come to bed with me. And he was like, no. And she was like, come to bed with me. He was like, no. Come to bed with me. And he was like, no. So finally, she made up a lie and told her husband that Joseph had like, Tried to come on to her and like like really steamy, um, but but told a lie about Joseph. And so the Bible says Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. Now stop, stop, wait for a minute, wait for a minute, wait for a minute. Have you ever heard that if you always do the right things, the good things will always happen to you? That's the biggest pot that the person that says that is more full of it than a constipated elephant, all right? Just think about that for a minute, get that mental image. If you always do the right thing, then great things will always happen to you. And it falls into the line of, you know what? If you'll just pray to receive Christ today, You'll be healthy and you'll get a check in the mail for an unexpected amount of money and your kids will do good in school and your hair will never turn gray and your hair will never turn loose and your car will never break down and your dog will always go to the bathroom outside and everybody that knows you will love you. Do you want to receive Jesus and you sign up? But you know, you could receive Jesus today and tomorrow could suck. You could receive Christ today and still struggle with anxiety. You could could receive Christ. Listen, I did not battle addiction until after I met Jesus. I battled addiction actually before I met Jesus, but it was stronger after I met him. So so I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you if you pray to receive Christ that everything's always going to be awesome. I will tell you that if you receive Christ, he will, in his time, eventually work out everything for his glory and your good because that's just what he does. So, so Potiphar was furious, of course, because his wife told him the story. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Now, hold on, hold on. You went from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison. Is it getting better or worse for Joseph. Okay, he has a dream. God's going to do great things. I'm in a pit. I'm with Potiphar. I'm in prison. It's not getting better. But the Lord was with Joseph at this point. I'm like, would you stop being with me? Every time you were with me, I take another step down on the ladder. Thank you very much. I don't know if you've ever thought that, but you, act, I have. Um, the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. Lord made Joseph favorite with the prison warden. That's on nobody's bucket list. What do you want to be one day? I want to be the prison warden's pet. Teacher's pet? Yeah, I'm all about being the teacher's pet. But I don't even want to know who the prison warden is, right? But Joseph is in prison, and he's a favorite among the prison war, but he's in this prison of Pharaoh, which would have been a political prison, right? That would have been a political prison where you sent political prisoners. It's kind of interesting. Just kind of file that away. We'll come back to that later. Um, well, while he's in prison, two guys get thrown into prison. One's a baker and one's a cupbearer, and uh, they both got freaked out one night because of these dreams. But And because Joseph had this position, he was talking to him one morning. He was like, hey, you look a little freaked out. This is my version. This is the PIV, the Perry International Version. So he... He he just said you know what's wrong and one guy said I had this I freaked out last night and I had this dream and he, and Joseph was like oh man you're actually in three days you're gonna get your job back and the other guy was like hey I had a dream too so I, you know and this happened this happened just went <laughs> sucks to be you buddy you're gonna get killed in three days um you 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 don't forget me okay like when when you when you leave you know what this guy he's gonna be and sure enough in three days this guy gets killed and this guy goes back to, to work for Pharaoh, like the head honcho. But as he's leaving, Joseph's like, hey, when you get to, in front of Pharaoh, just kind of tell him about me and tell him I don't really belong here. Tell him um, I didn't really do anything bad and just kind of let him know. And, and the cupbearer was like, Joe, you're my boy. I am never. Remember in high school when you got your yearbook, senior, and somebody would sign your yearbook going, I love you. We'll always be best friends forever. And you're showing your teenager going, I don't know who the freak this kid is. I don't even know. I have no idea. There's some kid named Jim. I don't even think that was his real name, right? Somebody tells you they're going to be with you forever, and then you can't find them? Like the FBI can't find them. That's what happened. In fact, this is, this is what the Bible says. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph never giving him another thought. You ever felt like that? Forgotten. Forgotten by people and forgotten by God. And when you feel forgotten by people and forgotten by God, you feel three main emotions, fear, uncertainty, and alone. It's very real but about two years after this pharaoh had a dream and he woke up the next morning he, he actually had a couple he was all freaked out so he got all his wise men and all his enchanters and everybody and he kind of told him the dream and none of them could figure it out and the cupbearer was like oh oh man uh, pharaoh see there's this guy a couple years ago we had that thing remember i feel by the way i still feel horrible about that but there was that thing you threw me in prison for well there was a guy and um, we just called him Joe, and he can interpret dreams. He interpreted our dreams. And so, and, Fa- and Pharaoh goes, go get him. Joseph comes in front of Pharaoh, interprets the dream, and Pharaoh goes, you, You're the man. In fact, I'm putting you in charge of the entire nation of Egypt. The only person more powerful in the entire nation is me. You're now vice president, you go for it. Did his his perspective switch at that point? Yes or no? Yes. (laughs) Did his potential change at that moment? Yes or no? Yes. But think about something. Think about something. Think about something. Let's just walk through this. Joseph lived in the land of, of where Israel is now, and he lived among a tribal people. He would have had to go to Egypt. So when he went to Egypt, in order to one day be the leader of the Egyptians, you would have to speak their language, but Joseph didn't know their language. Where would have been the best place to train him in the language of the Egyptians? Maybe in Egypt, maybe in Potiphar's house where it was small and he could pick up like small stories and stuff like that. Oh, by the way, if he was going to be second in command of the nation of Egypt, he was going to have to know military strategies and military structures and how to operate the military. How How in the world would he have learned how to run the military, I don't know, maybe if he was second in command to the leader of the military, who, by the by the way, he just happened to be named Potiphar. Maybe that's where he learned military strategies and structures. And maybe if he was going to really learn the political system of the nation of Egypt, when he got thrown into a political prison and talked politics, the good part and the bad part, For the next three, four, five, six, seven years, he would have learned the language, he would have learned the military strategies, and he would have learned the politics. For 13 years, God was not punishing him. God was preparing him for him to step into immeasurably more all he could ever ask or imagine. So if you're here this evening or if you're watching online and you're full of fear or you're full of uncertainty, and you, and you feel all alone, I'm not trying to diminish any of those feelings. What I want you to walk away with tonight, hopefully, is understanding that maybe God isn't punishing you. Maybe he's preparing you to step into a measurely more than all you could ever ask or imagine because there's a reason the enemy's coming after you. And the enemy, listen, the enemy doesn't try to break into empty houses. If he's coming after you then he sees something in you. Sometimes the enemy sees more potential than we see in ourselves. God has a plan, and he really is going to work everything out for the good, even if we don't feel it. Now, eventually, Joseph's brothers, there was a famine in the land. Joseph's brothers came to Egypt, stood in front of Joseph. Joseph could have had them killed, actually forgave them, moved his brothers and his father down to Egypt provided for them, took care of them. The father died, and the, jo- and, and the brothers of Joseph freaked out, and they said, well, you know, now that Dad's dead, Joseph's going to kill us. He was going to wait till Dad died. And so they went to Joseph and said, listen, Dad said don't kill us, basically is what they said. Dad said be nice to us. And Joseph, I love Joseph's reply to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He said, you intended to harm me. You know, he, he didn't diminish what they did. He legitimately, you intended to harm me, but God, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. This blows my mind. This, this right here, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And watch this, watch this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all all. the pit, the stripping of the robe, the humiliation sold into slavery lied about, thrown into prison, forgotten, all of that, all of it, God used it for good. And if he did it for Joseph, he can do it for us. I love what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. He said, but in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. The Bible doesn't say we will, we will not have weapons that come against us. It says no weapon turned against us will succeed. So I don't know what's going on in your story, but I know how your story ends. It ends with God getting the glory and us getting the joy. You say, Peter, you can't, you can't say that because you don't know my story. Well, I might not know your specific story, but I know who's writing your story. And I know that the father who writes our story is the same father that wrote Joseph out of the pit and through the prison into the palace and eventually one of the most powerful men in the world. I know that the father wrote David out of the sheep pen and into the palace and he led the nation of Israel. I know he wrote the story of Jesus who went on a cross, lost his life in a tomb and came out three days later and the same spirit that lives in Jesus lives in us. And if the same spirit that lives in Jesus lives in us, that means that nothing is impossible if we'll just keep stepping step-by-step, day-by-day, step-by-step, day-by-day, step-by-step, day-by-day, understanding that God can use it all for good and no weapon turned against us will prosper. Now, some people, when... You talk about the Bible, they say, that's a, that's a great story. That's a great story, P, about the Bible. It is my story. Three years ago, talk about a pit, talk about a prison, rehab facility, I never thought I'd do this again. But God. But God. Had a different plan. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. So if you're here tonight, and you're dominated by fear, uncertainty, and you feel alone, I understand but God's got a greater plan. And my hope and my prayer tonight is you'll leave knowing that in your heart. Can we stand for closing prayer? (laughs) Jesus, thank you that no matter who we are or what we've done, that you are writing a greater story. I pray for those in this room and watching online tonight, God, that are dominated by fear, dominated by uncertainty. And feel completely alone, Jesus, that you will speak into the hearts and lives of all of us who wrestle with this, and just let us know you're writing a better story with heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, if you're here, and I just you're going through that you're in the pit, you're in the prison you there's a situation in your life that has you consumed with fear or uncertainty or you feel all alone, I want you to understand that this church is a safe place. We're not afraid of your mess. In fact, we're glad you brought your mess here. We got a group of people here, staff and volunteers that would love to pray with you or for you if that's how you feel, if that's what you feel like you're wrestling with. And I want to invite you right now without even looking around just to step out of your aisle and walk out the back doors of our auditorium because there's staff members and volunteers back there on our care team, and they would love to pray with you. And I want you to go right now because you don't have to feel alone, because you're not alone. You don't have to wrestle with that fear and that uncertainty and that doubt all by yourself because you're not by yourself. Maybe you're here tonight, you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life because you're 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 honestly just you've been too scared that. You weren't good enough. But listen, I'm telling y'all, Jesus can save somebody like me, he can save anybody. If you're here tonight and you want to pray and give your life to Jesus, turn your life over to Jesus, then right where you stand, right where you stand right now, I just want you to pray in your heart and you just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive that payment. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, would you put your hand up in the air because I want to pray for you. Amen. Anybody else? Father, thank you for these hands. Thank you so much, God. I pray that you would speak life. You would speak hope. You would speak peace into each person. And God, for those who feel like they're in a pit, God, I pray that they would walk out. We would, we would walk out. Understanding that just because we're not aware doesn't mean you're not there. And that you really are working out all things for good. We love you, Jesus. And everybody that agreed said, amen. Hey, I hope you'll have a great Labor Day tomorrow. Next Sunday is gonna be really different. I'm super excited about it. I can't wait. See y'all next week. God bless.